The Relevant You is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Voicey. Speak Voicey is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Voicey, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. This podcast is also brought to you by Instant Imprints. Promote better with Instant Imprints. Instant Imprints are Boise's visual communications experts and your place for everything you need to promote your business, club, school, or group. As a locally owned business, Instant Imprints specializes in making your organization more visible with custom branded apparel, embroidery, promotional items, print services, and wide format printing for signs, as well as banners and vehicle graphics. Want a better way to get noticed? Visit Instant Imprints at instantimprints.com backslash Boise or call 208-IMPRINT. That's 208-467-7468. Hi, welcome to the Relevant You podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Benelli, and I help people and companies get back in touch with what they stand for and what they want to be known for, transforming their careers, leadership, culture, and reputation into more energized versions of themselves so they can grow with renewed vibrancy, focus, and purpose, and make a positive difference in their work, their lives, and on society. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Relevant You podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Pinelli. And the this podcast covers leadership and company culture and the impact on society because they're intertwined. You know, at the end of the day, we are human beings and human beings interact and, and human beings uh, bring hope to one another. We can inspire one another, encourage one another. Um, And a huge area where this happens is within business and within companies and the culture that companies want to build. And leaders have a unique role in building that culture because at the end of the day, part of being a leader is modeling the behaviors that the culture are built on and nurturing people to pursue um, their own excellence and bring their very best every day. And so that's really at the heart of it, what the Relevant You is all about, is what does it mean to build a meaningful culture and have this culture have a positive impact on society? And what's the unique role in leadership in doing both? So I'm glad you're here. And the producer of this show, John Benelli, is here as well. Hello, John. Hello, Tracy. And hello, everybody. Glad to be here. And um, as I uh, help Tracy navigate um, this topic, um, we'll get to uh, some specific questions for her. But first, yeah, but first, uh, but first, I want to promote the Boise Revival Project. And so the Boise Revival Project is helping musicians who've struggled through the past 15 months with COVID and with shutdowns as well as local restaurants. And it is focused on helping bring entertainment back into the community in downtown Boise. 
So I want to encourage you. I know Melissa, who is spearheading this, and she's deeply passionate about it. And she's right. We need to get back together again as a community. And what a beautiful way to do it than by supporting local musicians and restaurants and the arts. So go check them out on social or at their website, which is at boisevivalproject.com. And note that there are live concerts every Thursday at 6 to 8 p.m. at Forenza Pizza. So you guys pay some attention, get on out, enjoy the hot weather, some good food, and some really, really great music. And uh, and so then, on to this podcast. I, I just want to say, Forenza Pizza. <laughs> I know, right? It always <laughs> smells delightful and delicious. Um, so recently, let me say, I think this is podcast number six. And recently, I was having some conversations with a number of my clients. I've been keeping this a little bit under wraps while I worked the kinks out. Uh, And I asked some of my clients, well, I'm getting ready to do a podcast. Truth be told, I'm doing a podcast. And what are some of the topics that you would like for me to cover? What are some of the subjects or questions? And so John's got a whole list of um, questions, topics um, that... Uh, some of my clients have sent in. So what are we going to cover today? Okay, this first one is really two-part, but I want you to um, just answer this first part here. Okay. It's um, what does it mean to be a leader? And when I say that, I mean between uh, being tactical and being strategic. Yeah, I think that that's a actually very, very common challenge in leadership. So what happens within companies is so what happens within companies is it depends upon what how the organization is structured. If it's a tiered organization or if it's a flat organization, a lot of this is philosophical. What do you want? Do you want to have a number of people, a great number of people reporting to you so that you have um, equal visibility to everything and equal um, management of everything or do you build a tiered organization where you break the tasks and you break the teams down into like more specialized areas and then you bring in leaders at various levels who are being trained up to greater things or who know how to manage complex projects or even simple projects and it's just a, it's a way of breaking projects into bite-sized pieces or into specialized um, teams. So it really, again, it comes down into a leadership philosophy, whether you're a flat organization where you want greater visibility, you want um, a greater power over managing decisions and resources, or whether you are at a place where you can build tiered. It also depends upon where the company is in its own maturity. If you are too small of a company and too young of a company and you have a very vertical build, you're going to lose control. And that's just ridiculous. You are building in matrix systems and hierarchies where it doesn't belong and then you have bureaucracy and nothing gets done. But if you get too big and you're too flat, then you are also stunting growth because you can't manage everything and you can't give clear direction to everybody Uh, And you actually lose track of where progress is being made and where problems need to be solved and where inefficiencies happen. So what it means to be a tactical leader versus a strategic leader is knowing, one of the things is knowing what kind of an organization you need. 
and then understanding the depth of your talent and then recognizing people that are really good at managing tasks and projects and those who are good at managing people. Now, if you're really good at managing people, then you are also very good at managing tasks and projects, but not everybody's good at managing people. When you are a good manager, when you're organized, when you are able to deliver measurable results, when you're able to move projects forward, that generally means as a foundation, you're quite good at managing tasks. But that doesn't mean that you're necessarily a strategic leader. And it doesn't mean that you're a leader that's bringing growth. You are bringing progress by moving things forward, but you're not necessarily bringing growth by expanding skill set, by expanding strategies, by um, identifying new competitive opportunities. That is a strategic leader. Uh, Sometimes, ironically, you can be a very good strategic leader and not be a good people manager. Right? And those are generally individual contributors. Individual contributors can be leaders. They can be thought leaders. They can be idea leaders. They can be process leaders. And so it's understanding if you are an executive, a very senior leader of a company, first, what is your design philosophy? Then what is your need based upon size and growth? Um, and then identifying within your talent. Is this person really good at tasks and programs, or are they good at people? And again, if you're good at managing people, chances are really good you're already good at managing tasks and programs. And then putting people in the right place so that they can succeed. Now, I've seen companies who had really, really good task managers, program managers, and these people wanted to become um really effective leaders of people, right? So you can think of it this way, leader of programs or leader of people. And they wanted to become really good leaders of people. There was no nurturing. There was no mentoring. There was no teaching. There was no modeling, right? I have seen really senior executives who were quite good at tasks and really not great at people. But this is why companies need to invest in nurturing their leadership, identifying that person's sweet spot and potential, and then building up programs to help them grow as well. Because when they grow, then their effectiveness on the bigger picture can also grow. So the difference between a task manager and a strategic manager is, do you just focus on a checklist or are you starting with a bigger outcome and you're understanding the processes and the people and the resources and you know how to organize and prioritize those? Or are you just focused on tasks and you're assigning other tasks to other people to get done, then that makes you a task manager. And that is exceptionally tactical. Whereas to be strategic, you understand how to go to the 100,000 foot, take a look at the opportunity, define what are the steps that need to get there, how to prioritize them, how to align resources, how to build the team, how to get the team organized around skill sets and expertise, and then how to build timelines and accountability. That's a strategic leader. Okay, so that makes me think about a couple things. One is um, when you talk about a strategic leader, they are usually very confident and very extroverted. 
And I was wondering how you get an introvert who is super good at tactical because, you know, they can go inside and they can make sure everything is done um, and allow that to, to work. And then how would that kind of person who really wants to be strategic, how could you help them uh, with their confidence and what would be the process to get them to be to move from tactical to strategic? So you're asking a couple of questions there. So is the question, how do you help an introverted person become um, a more effective leader? Is that really what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because just my thought is that when people are introverted, then they're much more comfortable just with the tactical stuff. Yeah. And so they can be a super high achiever on the tactical level. Yeah. But they can't break through that ceiling where they want to be on the strategic level, be in the C-suite, and then start to make decisions. They have the ideas. They just don't have the confidence. So how would one go about gaining that confidence? Yeah, interestingly, I am an introvert. I, you know, a lot of people say, you got to be kidding me. You like to talk. <laughs> I love to teach. I love to share, and I love to encourage and nurture and mentor. Um, but I'm an introvert. And it has taken a lot of practice and a lot of self-knowledge to understand, um, to understand myself and to accept the fact that I'm an introvert and be very comfortable with that. So the very first thing that I do with my clients is those are my clients that are introverts. And I would easily say the vast majority of my clients are introverts. And what's fascinating is introverts at the end of the day, they observe, right? They're very, very observant. And that makes them pretty powerful because they are they are observing and they're thinking about what they're observing, and that are that's the foundation for strategy for thinking strategically. Um, my clients that are extroverts they are more wired for action. They're not as strategic. They are they tend to be more reactive. They can see a trend. They can see an opportunity, and they are going for it. And they're adjusting in real time, but they're not embracing. Um, they're not embracing the process. They are just going for it and saying, "I will learn in real time. I'll make adjustments in real time. I'm going to go, go, go." And they see a great deal of success, but you wouldn't sit down and have a strategic meeting with them because they're already jumping ahead to how do how do I solve that problem? How do I gain that advantage? They're very, very, very action oriented. Whereas my introverted clients are much more observant and thoughtful, and they are more responsive, right? So it's it's a it's a slower turn of the mental wheel and the action wheel, um, because they're seeking to apply what they've observed and understood into a response that is then going to go achieve the goal. So there's positive and negative to both. Right, so with the ex the extroverts, they are very very action oriented, and they are breaking down walls, they're breaking boundaries, and they're going for it. But they lack self awareness, and they also lack the the awareness of the um, the impact that they're having and the collateral damage they're leaving in their wake. They also get tripped up a lot when something doesn't go their way, you know. So and they're coming in everything with a you know, with a hammer, I'm just going to hammer my way through. And when something doesn't go my way, I'll just hammer my way out of that. 
Um, and so that's the down, that's, that's the, not the downfall, but that's the challenge. But the great thing about them is they are action oriented. There is a sense of urgency. There is a sense of opportunity with my introverted clients where they get in trouble is they get too stuck in the analysis. They get too stuck in the observation. They keep waiting and thinking that there's going to be a better answer or a more um, fulfillment of the answer, and so they wait too long. And what they need to do as an introvert is they need to trust their gut. When their gut is saying it's time to take action, they need to stop questioning, do I have enough information? Do I have enough answers in order to create the plan, in order to move forward? That's not it at all. It's um, you need to get the answers that you need for right now and trust that you're going to continue getting a fulfillment and an expansion of that answer as you start to take action. Because that's exactly what happens. When you start taking action, your thesis, your supposition, whatever it is, you start, you start to prove it true or false and make adjustments in real time. You don't get actions you don't get answers by standing still. You get a theory by standing still, but now you need to prove that theory. Or you can see an opportunity by standing still, but in order for that opportunity to become reality, you need to take action. So the first thing introverts need to do is they need to trust that they, that they um, have something to say or they have an action to take or um, that the answer is going to sound so pithy. The answer will continue to reveal itself as you take more action. Um, and that's the, first, that's the very first thing that interviews can do is figure out how to take action and not get stuck in the analysis of paralysis um, or the paralysis of analysis. <laughs> so that's the first thing. The second thing is learning a communication style that is unique to them not trying to emulate other people in their communication style, not faking it until you make it. Faking it till you make it show <laughs> faking it till you make it means that you don't have any confidence in what you already bring to the table and no amount of faking it is going to bring that confidence. No amount of conf- no amount of faking it is going to bring that confidence. Right? Because at some point in time you have to either make the decision that you believe in yourself or you don't. And if you keep faking it, all you're doing is reinforcing your belief that you don't have it. And that is why faking it till you make it doesn't work because you never do. So you have to, as an introvert, there's also gaining that acceptance of who you are and being very comfortable with it, recognizing that you are very knowledgeable you're very capable. You have something to say. You have something to contribute. It's okay to be seen and to be heard. So then finding that communication style that you're comfortable with and practicing it. Because that's how ideas get shared. And that is how people know what you stand for and what you want to be known for and what you have to offer is through communication. It's not done by sitting in a corner and you know, even being present, like I have a seat at the table, I'm present, surely they know what I'm thinking. No, they don't. Mm. Surely they know how I think we should take action. No, they don't. You have to speak up. So introverts tend to be very shy people, right? There's a lot going on. 
like, okay, now you have to step out of that. And you need to practice a communication style that you're comfortable with and not try to be somebody else and not try to, quote, fake it till you make it. Learn to trust yourself. Learn that if you got invited to the table, other people know that you have something to contribute and they want to hear from you. Well said. So, um, so let's take that um, from the individual to the uh, to the company. So, uh, the quality of the leadership directly impacts the quality of the company's culture. So, talk a- about as somebody gains that confidence and they feel comfortable uh, being strategic. How does that impact uh, the culture of the company? Yeah, so it's more than being strategic. Let's take a look at at the big picture. Um, Human beings are built for community. Whether our personality type is an extrovert or an introvert and many, many, many different colors in between, we're built for community. We are built for relationship. We are built to be with one another, sharing ideas, working together in order to achieve a goal, create meaningful change, um, bring goodness, right? We are made to be together. And where we spend most of our time if we have jobs is in a workplace, right? So I'm not talking, you know, there's a lot of people that do things at home that, you know, that's not what this is about. This is about workplace. This is about companies. And so where we spend most of our time is interacting with our other coworkers and our colleagues in a workplace, at a place of employment. And so what we experience at that place of employment, we tend to take back into our other relationships. So if we have a manager or a leader or a CEO who is aggressive, impatient, disrespectful, that directly impacts the way that we feel about ourselves and whether or not we are having a, um, a valuable experience. Valuable in terms of I am being respected, I'm able to make a meaningful contribution, I am learning, I'm growing, and I'm seeing success and I'm enjoying this. You know, it's not necessarily joy and laughter every day, but because I know I'm making a contribution – because I know that I am growing, because I know I'm being stretched, because I know that my contributions are being recognized, it becomes an enjoyable experience. It becomes something that I feel empowered by and validated by. But when we are not validated at work, when we are um, constantly being criticized, when we are being told that we haven't done enough, when we are being told that everything's failing and nobody's pulling hard enough. It is a constant stream of negativity. Um, And when disrespect is woven in as the fiber that holds that negativity together, we, it, it sucks the soul out of you. It just sucks the soul out of everybody and it takes away hope and it takes away um, self-confidence and it takes away the ability to understand our own value and see the values in others. And so then what it creates in that vacuum is frustration and despair and discouragement. And then what do we do with that? We take it on the road with us when we get in our cars. 
or we take it to the grocery store and, and start getting really snarky with the cashier. Or we bring it home and we pick a fight with our roommate or our partner or our, our spouse or our kids. Or, you know, we take it out on our pets. And then what happens there? They take it out on others. Because now you have just taken your pain and you have just shared it liberally with others. And then what does that do? They go out and they share their pain liberally, right? So if we were to back it up and say, I want to have a positive effect on my neighborhood and my community, where can I do that most easily and effectively? If you are a leader, if you are a coworker, or colleague, you look at the way that you're interacting with the people at your office. Are you being respectful? Are you being considerate? Are you modeling the way that you want to be treated? Are you bringing your best? Do you have an idea of the bigger picture, the the better purpose of what can be done? And are you speaking that into the lives of others with just a kind word or a word of encouragement? That is where you can make massive change with singular effort. And I think that's what that question was getting at, is how do business cultures impact the world around them? Mm -hmm. What you are seeding in your culture, your employees are taking, and you as a leader, are taking back into the world around you. And then you are reinforcing it by repeating it in the world around you. And then it gets fed back into you. And so then you bring it back into your workforce. And it becomes this downward cycle of discouragement, despair, frustration, and negativity. And the thing is, is it solvable? It is solvable by changing your mindset. It's solvable by saying, you know what, today I am going to take a breath. And I'm going to look around me. And I'm going to see how my colleagues are. And I'm going to speak an authentic and legitimate and genuine word of encouragement to somebody saying, you know what? I really appreciated the way you spoke up in that meeting. Good job. Oh, my gosh, the difference that that can make. And science backs it up. And uh, I'll bring some of those scientific white papers later. But, I, but that's what it is. Companies can impact society. And they can do it by changing the way that they treat each other at the office. Fantastic. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say about that, anybody can be a leader on that. And I mean anybody. Mm -hmm. So there you are. Beautiful. All right. So um, thank you, everybody. I think that's that's it for this podcast. Good um, place we'll, to stop. Yeah. 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 I think we'll do this again. There's, I don't know, there's a lot of questions that came in from my clients. Yeah. Um, but you guys, thank you so much for listening. And please do like this on wherever it is that you're downloading podcasts from. And uh, come back next week, and we'll pick this up again. But I hope you guys have a glorious day. And here's my word of encouragement to each one of you who are listening. And trust me on this, because it's true. You are making a better contribution to the world around you than you realize. And you are more magnificent than you know. And I mean that. And so I hope that today you have a beautiful day, and I hope that today you will find a way to appreciate the value of everything that you do and everything that you are and your ability to affect positive change. Remember that you're relevant. Yeah, you are very, 
very relevant. All right, everybody, we'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Well, you've made it to the outro, and I'm really, really glad that you stayed with it and that you stuck around for the conversation. And I'm really grateful as well. And I hope that you'll come back next week. Um, But in the meantime, if you've got any questions, please go to therelevantyou.com. And be sure to like this podcast on all of the major platforms. I'd really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking with you again really soon. Bye.